Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. John, I'm putting you to the test this week, testing your patience, self-control, and humility. I'm daring you to hold out until the end of the show when we make our Fast Five picks to brag about how you did in week one with your NFL picks. Think you can make it? <laughs> uh, Eric, first off, I knew you would ask me that, so I guess we know each other too well. But um, <laughs> second, uh, you know, I noticed Jason Witten and another veteran star whose identity is escaping me for the senior moment at the moment. But um, <laughs> on Sunday, they they got a touchdown and just handed the ball off to the official after TD. The, the old full Barry Sanders act like you've been there before mode. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try for that route at least. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Uh, we'll see if something slips out uh, between now and the end of the <laughs> podcast. But uh, but in, in the meantime, good for you for, for not bragging. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and, and brag myself uh, about my first ever decent sweat for real money on DraftKings. I am not going to pretend I've been there before. I've never been there before. Um, I've had good results on some smaller DFS sites, but I've never done much better in my five years or so of playing on DraftKings than to win like 10 times or so my buy-in in a big tournament until this past Sunday, I finally put together a lineup that smashed almost from top to bottom. I made, I made five lineups for the $3 entry tournament that had 747,666 entries. Uh, three of my five failed to cash and one of them landed in the $6 range. So all of that was pretty par for the course for me. Uh, but one lineup, I stacked Carson Wentz with Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz, and I also had Sammy Watkins, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Chris Carson in the lineup, plus so-so performances from the Seattle defense and, and D.D. Westbrook. Uh, but Ertz was really the only one with a disappointing fantasy score in the entire lineup. I had the top three scores on the slate all in one lineup. At one point at halftime of the late games, I was in 26th place, which would have won me $2,000. But then uh, Chris Carson didn't get the ball much in the second half, and uh, almost 200 people uh, gradually surpassed me. So I finished in 223rd place and won $150. So easily 
my best DraftKings lineup ever. I'm, for, for good DFS players, it would be nothing to get excited about. But for me, uh, I got to, to dream about big money for a few minutes there and uh, and feel good about my lineup construction skills. So, uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm done bragging. Just had to get that out of my system. And uh, Nice and work. Thank you. And, and you'll be happy to hear I, I didn't tear my rotator cuff patting myself on the back just now. So, <laughs> uh, so okay, that's my bragging. John's bragging is to come later. Uh, and uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us for episode number 50 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 55 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Please subscribe and give us a rating and review. If the line for stars you can give us is set at four and a half, you better hit the over. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good, Eric. Um, you know, later in the show, we're going to be joined by Doug Kazarian. Uh, a lot of people out there know him as the host of ESPN's Daily Wager and the network's really the go-to broadcaster for sports betting topics ever since he arrived there from Las Vegas in 2012. So, you know, we're going to talk about Daily Wager's recent expansion and their platform upgrade and some of Doug's thoughts on the start of the NFL season. Uh, but first, it's been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Since I just got done bragging about my DraftKings lineup a moment ago, let's make DraftKings the subject of our first news story. We've been tracking for a few weeks the status of the season-long NFL contests on the East Coast, and it's been largely disappointing. There's a $150 buy-in picks contest from Sugar House in Pennsylvania that I'm entered in. Uh, there's a free roll from resorts in New Jersey. And there's a strange Sugar House contest in Jersey where people just pick the Thursday night games, but they're betting real money against the house each week instead of a one-time entry fee and competing against other entrants. Like I said, that's a strange one. Uh, mm. Now, finally, we have a contest that actually resembles the famous Las Vegas Super Contest. DraftKings has announced the Super Pool, which has a buy-in of $500, a million-dollar guarantee, and a guaranteed $250,000 to first place. It starts in week four of the NFL season, so this is technically not a season-long picks contest, but it's close. Uh, you pick against the spread, just like the Super Contest, but one difference is that you don't have to pick exactly five games each week. You have to pick 70 games over 14 weeks, so five per week on average, but you can spread your picks out however you like. And of course, you have to be in New Jersey to register and to make your picks. John, what do you think of this setup? And do you see DraftKings filling it up in less than three weeks without having to pony up some overlay? Uh, well, Eric, I fully expect the publicity we just accidentally generated for them uh, uh, by speaking about it to the Gamble On Nation. Uh, it's like Bachelor it's like Bachelor Nation, but with fewer photogenic people and less gender diversity, I suspect. Um, that's going to be the bit difference maker or possibly not. But, um, yeah, it's going to be tough to get there. Um, I, I think these are experiments. Um, and we have to remember that DraftKings and FanDuel are extremely well funded. Uh, they spend millions and millions a year uh, on advertising, marketing and such. So uh, they can come up six figures short in a contest like this and still generate plenty of publicity. And I doubt anyone at DraftKings is hiding under the table over this. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, but uh, still, I'm sure they don't like to come up way short. And, and I personally uh, would be surprised if it does fill. Um, the one thing DraftKings has in its favor here is just a large database of customers, uh, uh, larger than Sugar Houses, which uh, generated about 3,500 entries for its Pennsylvania contest. Um, but that was $150, and you could enter up to 25 times. At $500 a pop, this is for fairly high rollers. And 
even if, let's say, you're an existing DraftKings customer with money in your account, a lot of people don't have $500 in their account. So they need to make a big new deposit just for this. So I don't know. This is this is going to have a tough time luring the casuals in. Uh, although one thing that people might be likely to do is enter as a group, as, as we have. Uh, that's a, a way to make a $500 buy-in seem affordable. Uh, and it definitely provides good podcast fodder, as uh, we'll keep the listeners apprised as to how Team U.S. Bets is doing. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I think the getting to pick over the 14 weeks and not just um, exactly five every week. I mm-hmm. think for some really sharp betters, that's very attractive because uh, there are going to be weeks they love seven games and weeks they love three games and they have to go with a, exactly five and they probably feel like they're getting, you know, maybe beat on the margins there. So here when they have that seven pick, you know, love these weeks, they can they can go for them, you know. Now, it may be an illusion that they're really going to do any better with that change, but I think, you know, people like free will and uh, uh, that might uh, help uh, add a few people. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea to to offer that option, and I think it works on two levels. The, it works, like you said, just as a strategic thing for people who are feeling good about some weeks and less good about other weeks, um, but it also provides a good way around the problem with the Pennsylvania contest, which is that you either have to be in Pennsylvania every weekend, all season to make your picks, or you have to take your chances with someone else logging into your account and hoping that sugar house doesn't spot it for this DraftKings contest. You know, say you're going away for the long Thanksgiving weekend, uh, going to another state and you're not going to be able to make any picks in New Jersey. All right. You can skip that week and make a couple of extra picks the, the week before and the week after. So, yeah, it's definitely a twist that that makes the contest more attractive. Yeah, I like it. It's uh, it'd be interesting to see what the results are. Yeah, and and uh, I'll also just note that the the payout percentage is small. Uh, it's at seven point five percent of the field will make the money in the Sugar House contest. It'll be about the top fourteen percent. So you know, I, I'm always in favor of flatter payouts, uh, though I, maybe I wouldn't be if I was the finish in first type. But <laughs> but oh well. Uh, all right, so that's in New Jersey, which is a great example of uh, how well things can work under a system where sports betting is legalized and regulated on a state-by-state basis. But our next story concerns the latest effort, or at least rumor of an effort, to get the federal government involved. According to Gambling Compliance, Republican Senator Mitt Romney and Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer are now working together on a bill to set federal guidelines uh, along the lines of, if not in fact fully identical to, the Sports Wagering Market Integrity Act introduced last year by Schumer and outgoing Senator Orrin Hatch. So Romney replaced Hatch in the Senate. Now he's reportedly replacing him in backing this bill. ESPN's David Payne Purdom reports that there is no timeline yet for introducing the bill, and Purdom like almost everyone else in the industry who weighed in on Twitter, thinks it's, quote, a significant underdog to pass, even with this bipartisan backing. John, I'll be blunt. Am I wasting my breath even including this story on the podcast? Uh, yeah, I'll be blunt and say yes. But, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit. Um, Good. <laughs> the over-under on the number of the 100 U.S. senators who care even one iota about this issue is probably, uh, let's see, the number who care, I'm going to say five, six, maybe. I mean, it's just not even in their radar. 
So, you know, most of the major professional sports leagues are based in Manhattan. Schumer is a New York state senator. I'll let everyone out there do the math there. And uh, Romney's from a state whose constituents seem to genuinely uh, oppose legal gambling. That's the culture there. Uh, even if an illegal bet or two might get placed, uh, God forbid. Uh, but uh, so the public relations push works for both of them. And that's about all this is. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, debating in my head whether to include this on the podcast, it was like there are these famous senators involved and, and it's it's legislation to potentially regulate sports betting federally. So it's enough of a story that you kind of have to report on it and address mm-hmm. it. But still, no, nobody is taking seriously the chances of this passing, especially not now coming up on an election year. Uh, as you basically said, there, there are more pressing issues to address. Uh, this just isn't likely to become a priority. It would frankly be embarrassing for Schumer or Romney if they tried to make it look like this was a priority. So, uh, you know, we mentioned it. We talked about it for three minutes. I think we can move on. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're in the business of letting people know what's happening. And uh, this is happening. And if people want to think more of these senators or less of these senators uh, because of it, then so be it. Yep. All right. For our third and final story this week, we'll focus on a single bet. We don't do this often, but this one is pretty unique and interesting and got a fair bit of national coverage. At PointsBet Sportsbook in New Jersey, where you have the option to bet in such a manner that your wins and losses are amplified based on how many points you win or lose by, a better backed the Ravens in Miami on Sunday to cover as six-point favorites. The better, who has not been identified publicly, bet $30,000. That's a lot of money, but... Bets of that size, a $30,000 bet, that's nothing unusual in, in this universe that we operate in. However, this better bet $30,000 a point. So if the Ravens had won by seven, he would have won $30,000. If they'd won by three, he would have lost $90,000. As listeners are probably aware, this was the most lopsided NFL game of week one with Baltimore winning 59-10. to 10. Uh, Now, points bet bettors have an option when they place their bets to cap the bet. So in this case, the better capped it at 20 points in either direction for a maximum win or loss of $600,000. So instead of winning 30,000 times 43, he only, and I'm using air quotes as I say that, won $30,000 times 20. Still, it was a huge risk and a huge win. And a huge loss for points bet, though the sports book makes up for a certain chunk of it in publicity. And for the sports betting industry overall, wouldn't you say, John, that a high roller story like this is great for publicity and for business? Yeah, we are back to that good publicity issue here again as well. You know, mm-hmm. PointsBet is an Australian company uh, at heart, and uh, the per capita gambling capital of the world happens to be Australia. So they have years of experience in the field uh, in spite of just finishing year one in the U.S. I-, I almost can't imagine an American company or even a European company sort of having the stones to ever try this, you know, a number of years ago as they did in Australia, because it seems like the, the swings would be so wild it would be exhausting. But, um, you know, they have figured out a way to make money on it. And um, I think part of because it's part of the culture of gambling, uh, they're comfortable with big wins and big losses. So, um, you know, we are, we're not going to hear as much about the big losses, but um, they're out there. And, you know, I don't think this better is just putting the cash in his or her pocket and probably his, but and walking away. Um, you know, it'll take a while for all that money to come back, but there's a pretty <laughs> decent chance it does eventually. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, points bet lost six hundred thousand dollars on this one as a company. They claim to lose over a million dollars in New Jersey on Sunday. Um, but as you basically alluded to, 
they'll make it back, whether they make it all back directly from this guy uh, or just uh, over the course of uh, the other betters in, in weeks to come, things normalizing, um, they, they will make it back. And, and this is the kind of story that inspires people who've dabbled in sports betting but haven't tried points bet to give it a try because it's the only site that really lets you follow that daily fantasy tournament dream of turning a little into a lot other than, you know, doing an eight team parlay somewhere or whatever. Um, the thing is, you're not really turning a little into a lot. You're risking just as much as you're trying to win, but it sort of seems like you're turning a little into a lot at first glance. Like it, uh, people sort of glance at the story and the, they you sort of think this guy risked 30,000 and won 600,000. So um, yeah, I, I'm sure that points bet, We'll get some new signups out of this, uh, and maybe that'll include some whales who want to be able to bet big. Yeah, and, and if the uh, uh, Dolphins have a good game on Sunday, uh, points bet's going to get rich. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Spoken often on this podcast about the expansion of sports betting coverage in sports media and mainstream media, and our guest today is very much on the front lines of that movement. Doug Kazarian is the host of ESPN's betting-focused news and analysis show, Daily Wager, which recently moved from ESPN News to ESPN2 every weekday, and just this past weekend kicked off a special Sunday morning NFL-focused edition. He also hosts the podcast Behind the Bets with Doug Kazarian, and we're happy to have him joining us today on our podcast. Doug, welcome to Gamble On. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. So the the move from ESPN News to ESPN2 is a telling one. It shows that the brass at ESPN are pleased with the program and with the audience it's building. And if they were at all hesitant about putting a betting show front and center six months ago, they're clearly less hesitant now, uh, both internally with your bosses and externally with the public. Any surprises for you about the rapidity with which Daily Wager has been embraced? No, I, I wouldn't say. Look, we've been doing this for a while, right? This meaning gambling coverage, right? So I've been going on SportsCenter, doing some hits there. The ESPN.com's chalk section has been around for a while. We have two betting podcasts, one I host, Behind the Bets. And so we've always been like in this space, and we've just moved along with the Supreme Court ruling and expanded. And we would have expanded in some form no matter what, but the Supreme Court ruling expanded, sort of accelerated everything. So this is not like, oh, we got to do gambling now. Oh, it's pretty good. I think there's a plan. There is a method to the madness. Now, some stuff at ESPN happens organically. And I'm sure if we were, like, really struggling out of the gates, probably they wouldn't have moved us to ESPN too. But I think the plan all along was to move to ESPN two come football season. And the plan for the show was about a year ago, like, you know, a year, year and change ago or so, I had heard grumblings. Like, I don't think ESPN, who, as you guys know, just celebrated its 40-year anniversary, kind of just gets by day to day, right? Like, <laughs> we've already had discussion about Super Bowl week and things like that. Um, right. Now, it's nice that we'll react and, and make adjustments quickly. So there's obviously things you have to adjust to, and we handle breaking news quite well, I think, as a company. But there is vision in a lot of these, in a lot of this stuff. And we just, because we don't disclose everything in press releases right away, doesn't mean there's, that wasn't the plan for a long time. So there is thought uh, to some of this, but I'm not surprised, but I also believed in the show. And I, I also knew what our rehearsals looked like. Our rehearsals looked just as you know solid as our first show. So 
we were uh, we were confident and optimistic for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, kind of following up on that, Doug. Um, you know, you had that first Sunday NFL show in the books now, and um, wondering how that went, and also, you know, how you feel. Uh, like you talked about being able to change organically, but you know, do you guys kind of feel like you have the format down pat, and people can expect to see the same thing every week, or uh, had you guys been figuring, look, we're gonna do week one, and no matter how well it goes, we've got to tweak the form a little bit because, uh, you know, realistically, you know, things will be uh, unanticipated, or we'll come up with new ideas. So, like, how how set behind the scenes are you on this is how we do the show every week versus uh, we're going to evolve over the course of the year well every show is different and i that's mm-hmm. i know that sounds made generic answer but it's really true like that's what i love about the industry mm-hmm. and how everything's not the same so we just got out of a meeting about our like tuesday and wednesday shows should have a different feel than sunday right so Tuesday, we're, we, we have a segment like which team are we buying high, buying low on and selling high? Like a lot of, I don't want to say macro, but a lot of like longer form segments, whereas Sunday is like game pick why. And, but even I just got to have another conversation with my producer about Survivor. Like we have a Survivor sort of segment. Mm-hmm. And I think every week should be different. Like the first couple of weeks with especially a card that has big favorites. Hey, which one are you avoiding? Which one do you think is not as easy as it looks? Maybe it would have been the Bengals-Seahawks game. Then, like, week five, six, and let's say there's a card that has, like, no higher than a five-point spread once you incorporate bye weeks, Thursday and Monday, and so maybe the good teams are on the road. Maybe there's no spread higher than five. And you're like, okay. And then if we don't have the Patriots, what's the next best option for survivors? So I think every week is just going to have a different feel. And playoff games in the football season on Sunday, and playoff being baseball playoffs, that's going to have a larger portion of the show. This is not a pregame show. This is a Sunday morning show because we're trying to get appeal to the public. I mean, in X amount of years or whatever it is, you think Daily Wage is going to be the only gambling show on ESPN? Probably not. Right. So we're just we're just we're figuring this out just like every other media company and every other state, frankly, for their own legalization. And we're all going about it. But I think the, the, the thing that's fun about TV in general is every show's different. I'm sure baseball tonight in September takes a bigger, higher emphasis on the playoff teams and the wild card races and everything than maybe like a Pirates Marlins game. But in, in May, Pirates Marlins probably makes the show. So there's just different ways to go about producing content for your, your targeted audience. But I just, I personally just like the craft of, broadcasting is there's just smart ways to do everything right well uh you make a lot of picks and bets on your show you have a, a lot of time to fill and a lot of experts coming in and and you've certainly had a long build up to the nfl season to get some futures in uh after week one now that we've gotten a look at these teams any bets you're feeling great about and any bets you're already regretting so i'm i'm off the ucla train so it's not college i i i, I cannot back that team another time i've done it for two weeks i'm done i'm done as much as i love chip kelly i gotta i gotta see it to believe it you know i was fading the raiders pretty hard but we actually kind of talked about it was the schedule for the raiders that made it tough just the fact that they're gonna go like six weeks without a home game and all this stuff but that doesn't mean they were a bad bet for week one like they were still at home and stuff now teams i thought would be okay are like the giants i thought they were like a six or seven win team I'm probably off of them, but not 100%. I think I need to see one more egg laid before that. Um, you I will, the Dolphins would think. I, yeah, 
I knew the Dolphins would stink. Right. I'm not sold that the Broncos are bad. I mean, you had a drop touchdown. The Monday night home team always plays pretty well in the opener. I think the Broncos could be like who they thought we thought they were, like a six or seven win team. I think they'll be okay. So that's a team I'm going to look to back at home. I'm trying to think. So maybe the Falcons, probably the Falcons. So look, like the, the, the futures I have are um, like win total. Raiders, no, I had Raiders not to make the playoffs. Chiefs to make the playoffs. And I feel better about that as well. Mm-hmm. And um, season win totals, I'm under on the Ravens. Not loving that right now. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm a spot guy. Like, I, I want to find the right situational spot. Like, I was on the Ravens week one. I was also on the Browns. Maybe the Browns might be my biggest concern right now. So, I was pro-Browns and anti-Titans. I might be wrong on both of those. We'll see, though. It's only one game. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you know, Doug, there was some speculation about whether Las Vegas is going to be hurt by losing that, you know, decades-long near monopoly on sports betting. Um, and if you look at the numbers in state just in New Jersey, they're really strong in the first year. Uh, but so are Nevada. So, you know, as a former resident out there, um, did you have any question as to whether Las Vegas could retain its full status as the sports betting power of the world? And, uh, and do you think that question's already completely ended and, and they won that game? I have been – since day one of legalization, 100% in the camp that Vegas will be helped by the legal legalization of sports betting because of a couple things. One is only a couple times a year, like Super Bowl, March Madness, maybe NFL opening weekend, something like that. Do people go to Vegas with the, with the prioritization of sports betting? Usually it's conferences, um, parties, pool parties, uh, just gaming, couples weekend getaway whatever it's always like sports betting supplemental to the to the option it's mostly table games right that drives the handle for these casinos and the people i spoke to and all agreed is as long as if sports betting is a larger part of someone's daily behavior when they're not visiting vegas back in their homes of montana texas whatever because of legalization and then they go to vegas and they're there for a couple's getaway or a bachelor party or a conference, if they're already used to betting on sports, then they're going to bet sports when they're there. So if they're already doing it and it's part of their daily behavior, that's a win for Vegas. So I think the handle is going to go up in, uh, in sports for sports betting in Vegas after legalization. And it's just become more commonplace. Look at shows like daily wager media companies. It's going to become more ever present, like in our day-to-day life that. So when they're, when they're traveling, they're going to want to bet when they travel to those states. And if Nevada is the state, then so be it. Well, quick final question for you here, Doug. Uh, we're both former temporary Rhode Island residents. Uh, there's a sports book oh. monopoly there, and that book has moved the Patriots to minus 19 against the Dolphins in Miami as of this conversation. <laughs> Do you see this getting to 20, uh, at least in Rhode Island? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, it, I think it might get to 20 across the board. I don't think 21 and a half. I think... 21 is the absolute apex it'll be anywhere. But in Rhode Island, all bets are off. I mean, we <laughs> saw that Oregon-Auburn game in Oregon uh, a couple weeks ago, opening, you know, week one weekend, was like Oregon was favored there, right? Oregon was like four and a half at one, at one book, whereas Auburn was a three and a half, four-point favorite in the market. Mm-hmm. So I will nothing's off the table in Rhode Island, but it is a fascinating story. I'm just so intrigued by – you know, I'm even thinking to myself, what would it take for me to bet on the Dolphins? Like, take my income, tax income, and right. lay minus 110 on Miami. Like, I don't know what it would take. <laughs> I, I really, I mean, it's a stay away on both sides. Not like I'm laying the number with New England either. Right. I would probably need like 
25 ish, 28, 28 probably. Wow. Okay. I, w- I was almost like thinking about the fun of the Dolphins money line, but it- it's just throwing money away. But it is, you know, when if it gets up somewhere around like 20 to one, it's uh, almost worth that uh, that Buster Douglas kind of shot, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Miami's always been really good in September, uh, whether it's the heat. I know a lot of NFL guys, former players on campus here have talked about the heat. They do a job of like where they like make the, the, their, their opponents wear dark colored jerseys. Mm-hmm. which makes it even hotter in that in that South Florida heat. And even I want to say like the stadium, the, the road teams in the sun or something like that. I, I think I read that somewhere, but I definitely know like last weekend we knew the Ravens would be in the dark colored jerseys, but there's just only so much when it's, it's <laughs> tanking is like a thing in the NBA. Did it become it in baseball? I mean, we saw what the Orioles have done the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, tanking in terms of ro- roster construction, not, you know, players trying to lose. So in, in terms of roster construction, like, is this like really like that good of a team? Like, I don't know. I mean, they have competent players, obviously. Fitzpatrick's okay. But, I mean, losing, that's a big spread. I, I, maybe maybe I'd take less. Maybe I would take 24. But I'm not, I'm not <laughs> laying the 19. I'm not laying the 19 either. Like, it's just a bad – there's just better things to do with your money. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Well, it, it has been great talking to you, Doug. Uh, congrats on the early success of Daily Wager, uh, which, uh, by the way, just in case anyone listening doesn't know, airs weekdays on ESPN2, 6 p.m. Eastern, and uh, Sunday mornings at 9 Eastern on ESPN News. Uh, thanks so much for chatting with us, Doug. You got it. And by the way, it's 9 a.m. on Sundays on ESPN News in September, and then we're going to go to ESPN2 after that. It's just programming and a lot of the spaces were already full when we decided to make some of these moves. So, right. So, so I guess the move, the move is to uh, look look for the program title on when you set your DVR and set it for all channels that it appears on, and then you'll never miss it, right? Yeah, no, it's tough because sometimes I've been told, you know, people tweeting at me like direct TVs. Well, I think like didn't have the right program switch at one. So, I feel for everyone. Um, <laughs> maybe check Twitter. I don't know. I, I feel for everyone because we do jump around. But Tuesday through Friday, definitely ESPN two. And then Sunday mornings will be ESPN News. And then come October, we're on to ESPN2. Fantastic. Thanks again, Doug. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Doug. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We have no new results to report because we exclusively made NFL win totals bets last week. So we are still at the same $8 below our starting <laughs> stack. Uh, but we did shell out $907 in futures bets, bringing our total that's currently on hold to $3,352. So that means we have $6,640 to bet with this week. And John, you'll have to wait just a few minutes more to brag in detail about ah. your Fast Five results uh, <laughs> as we do have our bankroll bets to make first. And uh, and you lead it off this week. And I should just note that we're recording on Wednesday this week, a day earlier than usual. So if the lines have shifted a bit by the time we listen to this, that's why. All right, let's see. Bet number one. Uh, give me Middle Tennessee pulling off a home upset against Daniel Jonesless Duke. A uh, hundred to pay a hefty two twenty. Uh, Middle Tennessee got Michigan's attention previously, and I think this time they pull off the complete game. Okay, I know absolutely nothing about these football teams uh, <laughs> since I don't really follow college. I could have told you that Daniel Jones used to play for Duke, and that's about the extent <laughs> of uh, anything I could have said about either of these teams. But uh, sounds sounds good otherwise. Um, so I'm going to do an NFL money line bet here, uh, and 
No, it's not the Dolphins at plus 1420, although that's a little (laughs) tempting, the possibility of something truly crazy happening. But uh, nah. instead, let's take the Seattle Seahawks to upset the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I'm pretty suspicious of both of these teams. I don't know that either one is really any good. All offseason, I was low on the Steelers, and uh, in real life, I bet on the Ravens to win the AFC North at plus 300, so I'm feeling good about that after one week. Uh, Our new colleague, Gary Rothstein, kind of made me second-guess myself uh, with his belief in the Steelers, but I don't know. My gut's been telling me all along that Roethlisberger's ready to decline steeply and that this team is mediocre. I'm not sold on the Seahawks either, but... I saw that Seattle was plus 160 on the money line on Tuesday, and then I looked again Wednesday, and they're up to plus 180. Uh, So that's just uh, too good of a price on what I view as a coin flip game. So let's bet $100 on Seattle to win 180. That sounds good. I'm going to stick with uh, directional college games for uh, 400. Um, (laughs) Actually, 100. Uh, Northern Illinois getting 14 at Nebraska, um, 110 to win 100. Uh, Cornhuskers entered the season wildly overrated for reasons that escaped me, other than they were good in the 1970s. But, um, you know, that's going to change even further after they uh, suffer through a nail biter right here. Okay. Uh, and I'll wrap uh, up the, the betting bankroll section here with a boxing bet. Uh, the lineal heavyweight championship is on the line this weekend in Las Vegas in a pretty monumental mismatch. The extraordinarily talented Tyson Fury against the somewhat talented, totally untested Otto Wallin of Sweden. Fury is like a 35 to 1 favorite. Uh, I see no point in betting him straight up. Uh, but this feels to me like a fight. He'll dominate. He should stop Wallin but I doubt it happens in the first couple of rounds. I also doubt we get to the last few rounds. So I found a price of plus 210 on Fury by knockout in rounds five through eight. Um, It's risky. Could easily end in the third or fourth or the ninth or 10th, and and I'll have missed out. But uh, for that reason, I'm going to bet a little smaller than usual here. I'll just risk $50 to win 105 on Fury between the fifth and eighth rounds. Sounds good. All right, let's close things out with the fast five. And John achieved perfection in week one, a perfect Mm -hmm. five and oh. And I I could be a jerk and point out uh, his backdoor cover in the Redskins game or some fourth quarter comebacks to help him out in the Bills and Colts games. But over the course of a season, those things tend to even out. And the fact is he had some damn strong picks. So well done, John. Uh, The floor is yours. Oh, absolutely. I've been waiting too long for this. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Ravens minus six and a half over Miami was the best pick on the board on Sunday. Um, and I think my Cowboys minus seven over the Giants wasn't far behind. So mm-hmm. those were uh, pretty solid. Uh, Redskins plus 10 was the better play versus the Eagles. I mean, they were up 17, nothing. They led 27 at the half. Um, I almost got murdered by a field goal with three minutes left to, for the Eagles to cover. Um and that would have been pitched as a backdoor cover, too. But obviously scoring a touchdown with uh, a meaningless touchdown with uh, 10 seconds left is, uh, yeah, that's pretty fortunate. Right. Um, you know, the, the Colts were getting six and a half. They trailed 24-16 in the fourth quarter. Adam Vinatieri misses a 20-something yard field goal. He already had missed another field goal. He missed an extra point. So I'm not really going to apologize for that one. Uh, I feel as if my luckiest one was Bills plus three. I mean, they trailed the Jets 16-0, granted on, on a uh, – uh, pick six uh, deflected touchdown, but um, the Bills came back and pulled out a one-point win. I, I didn't see that one coming. All right. Well, hey, 5-0 and is 5-0, and however you get there, especially in week one. It feels good because you can really yeah. claim perfection on the season so far. Uh, I had a much less successful opening week going 2-3. and three. Uh, I got a little unlucky with Detroit blowing its lead against Arizona, but then again, I benefited from winning by just a half point with my Rams pick. So in any case, I'm in a hole to start the season, but 
the comeback starts now, uh, and I'm up first this week. And uh, and by the way, because we are recording before the official Super Contest lines have been posted, this week we're using FanDuel Sportsbooks lines as of Wednesday morning. Um, and I should start, I guess, with my obvious pick based on my money line bet earlier. Give me Seattle plus four and a half in Pittsburgh. Again, pretty much a toss-up game to me, so I'll take those points. Uh, next, uh, I like the Ravens a lot. But 13 points is too many, so give me the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, You had to like what you saw out of Kyler Murray in the second half last week. There will still be lots of growing pains, I'm sure, but there's enough talent there, and the Ravens can't possibly be as good as they looked against Miami, can they? Uh, this, This is just too many points. You know, if it was 10 or 11, I'd stay away, but at 13, I like the Cardinals. Uh, Next, give me Buffalo to sweep the New York City teams. Uh, The Bills have a strong defense. Josh Allen shows flashes. It's a little risky to back them as favorites on the road, but it's only a point and a half, and the Giants might prove to be the worst team in the NFC. Uh, Saquon Barkley always scares you a little bit when you bet on the other team, but still, uh, I like the Bills here. Uh, Continuing to pick on the NFC East's weak teams, Give me Dallas minus four and a half in Washington. Uh, The Cowboys were John Sarabian's team. Uh, I trust him. Uh, I'm going to ride them for a second week in a row. And lastly, I I struggled with uh, finding a fifth pick I like. Um, So I settled on this one. Uh, Minnesota at Green Bay feels like a coin toss game to me. I'm not sure which of these teams is more real. So as long as I'm getting three points with the Vikings, I will take them. I'll take Minnesota, even in Lambeau. Uh, And I I realize uh, when I finished putting my five together that this means I'm taking five road teams this week. I don't know if that's going to explode in my face and be a disaster, but so be it. That's what I'm going with. What are your picks? Uh, Well, I'll tell you, my first three are uh, games you also pick, so that's unusual. Um, Okay. First, I'm on the opposite side of uh, taking the Redskins plus four and a half at home versus the Cowboys. You know, the Redskins are going to dress Adrian Peterson uh, this week. They, for reasons that still escape me, needed an extra special teams guy or something. (laughs) It's incredible, the stupid decision they make. But uh, he will dress and he'll be their feature back this week. Um, You know, this time they're not going to have an opposing coaching staff that can make such stellar adjustments at halftime as the Eagles did. I mean, that was just a a tremendous uh, adjustment. And uh, that's the Cowboys just don't have that kind of skill set on their coaching staff. Uh, And really, the Giants are what made the Cowboys look awesome. So um, that that gets to the second pick that we have in common. And I'm agreeing with the Bills, giving a point and a half to the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Saquon Barkley. They're as bad a team as a team can be when you have a player like that on it. It's amazing. You know, how right. bad can you be with Saquon Barkley? They're, they're bad. <laughs> right. um, then another match, but we're going the opposite again. I'm, I'm Packers giving three to the Vikings. Um, hmm. okay. Packers finally have a defense. And Aaron Rodgers, he, he didn't play in the preseason. So he had his preseason work in that opener against the Bears. And he's got 10 days. And um, he'll be ready to go. You're going to see the real Aaron Rodgers. So now switching to other games, um, you know, the Bengals are not terrible. And the 49ers are not good. So I'll give one and a half points with the Bengals. Uh, And then finally, I'm not quite as high on the Rams as you are, but the Saints can be real paper tigers on the road. So I'll give the two and a half points and take the Rams. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that one that one I I thought about it for a moment, because as we've discussed, I am high on the Rams in general this season. But I just feel like they uh, looking back really at all of last year, they were often a win but don't cover team. Uh, They had so many close games that they pulled out and that one. Uh, yeah, I, that, that was a, that was a tough one for me. If I had to pick a side, I probably would pick the Rams, but ultimately I stayed away. But, uh, okay. So we have two, uh, two head to head picks, uh, this week. So, uh, if you remain perfect, I'm in big trouble. 
<laughs> and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Doug Kazarian. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, please do your thing and take us out. Well, uh, so much for acting like I've been there before. You know, enough about this 5-0 and of mine. What do you think about my 5-0? and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, all kidding aside, uh, you know, I'm not going to change a thing about my modest betting habits off one week that included a couple of great picks and also some good fortune. Um, you know, some people would bet more. A few might even bet less in a panic. You know, I'm due to lose or something. None of that makes any sense. The reality is the point spread gods pull almost all of us down in the end. So don't get too cocky off a good week. Well, I mean, get cocky, but don't start a betting bit. Is what I would say, I guess. One good week is nothing more than one good week. So, and with that, everybody, until next time, gamble on.